do that. I just wanted to segue right into the message this morning. And uh, how many of you are doing the Tear Up Your Bible reading program? Let me see your hands. Wow. Amen. Thank you. That's well over half of the congregation is involved in that together. And I'm so thankful for it. Just uh, as a side note, how many of you were able to see the uh, webinar last night? Uh, it's, a, it's a good crowd as well. Thank you very much for connecting to that. Um, this particular message was burst, birthed in my heart on day one of the Tear Up Your Bible reading program, which I think was, uh, what, Romans 1 through 4 or something like that. I didn't get past verse 5 of the first chapter before uh, something hit my spirit and I began to move forward with it. So if you have your Bibles, uh, whether that's uh, leather-bound, paper-bound, hard-bound, or in your device, whatever it is, turn to the book of Romans chapter 1. And when you get there, I want you to say, I love the Word. What a beautiful congregation. Wow. Yeah, I see multiple services coming. I saw that coming already. I told our staff to let all of our ministry directors know, be ready at any given moment. So, Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness. Jesus Christ, our Lord, and verse 5 is, the main, uh, is my main text today. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace. Everybody say grace. And the Apostle Paul says the word apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. And what the Holy Spirit spoke to me that, at that moment was Jesus Christ, through whom we have received grace to bring about the obedience of faith. And when I see phrases like that, obedience of faith, it's it's easy to just go, well, I, I think I know what that means because I know the English language, and, but I wonder what it really means. What's the question within the question? And uh, bring about the obedience to the faith, and we've been given grace for the obedience of faith. What are you obedient to? Obedience, by definition, is submissive compliance. So, what are you submitted to? Because you're going to be submitted to something in life. What are you obedient to? Because you're going to be obedient to something. What are you compliant to? Because you're going to be compliant to something. Are you uh, uh, obedient to self? Whatever self wants, self gets. Whatever feels good to self, self does. Well, you know, whatever self needs, self gets, that's what you comply with. Are you submitted to the media? Heaven forbid. <laughs> Some of you are so saturated with the continuous negative news 
that you don't even know where to turn anymore to hear the truth. I can tell you where you can turn to hear the truth, right there. Turn to the channel, H-O-L-Y-B-I-B-L-E, and you can hear the truth. Whatever I see on the TV, that's what I submit to. Whatever I read on the internet, that's what I comply with. Whatever's going on in social media, that's what I submit to. In your Christianity, your service to Christ, do you, set, do you submit to a set of rules and regulations? Do you weigh the value of your Christianity based on what you do for God? Listen, I've been pastoring over a quarter of a century, and I've seen many people who feel like that they're not even in close relationship with God when their service to the Lord takes a step back. I'm not doing enough. I don't feel like I'm connected to God like I need to be. So do you weigh the value of your Christianity based on what you do? Uh, Is it performance-oriented? Some of you were raised by a father who was performance-oriented type of person. You got father's, your dad's approval when you measured up to his standard of performance, et cetera, et cetera. And some of you have lived with that, and therefore you have a view of God that's based on, I'm okay with God as long as I perform well in this life. And I know that there are Christians, good, Bible-believing, faith-filled Christians sitting in this room who are still weighing a great deal of their relationship with Jesus Christ based on their behavior, their works, and their conduct. So is your sense of righteousness, your right standing with God, uh, conditional to how godly you may be living, whether you're doing the right things or the wrong things? Do you weigh that relationship with God? God and I are not on good grounds today because I haven't been good today. Or do you realize that whether you're good or whether you're bad, you're still on good grounds with God? Now, I need you to hear me out in this message because remember that the title of the message is The Obedience of Faith, and we have been given the grace by Jesus Christ, the grace for obedience to the faith. Last week I spoke about transformation, and I continue to believe that 21, 2021 is going to be a year of transformation for us. But many times we think of trans, we, we have a relative viewpoint of what transformation may, may look like. And I'm hoping that this message today will transform something from the inside out, and may it transform part of how we even view our relationship with God. And I think that that needs to take place in all of our lives. There are far too many Christians, and I said this last week, that have been spiritually renewed by the regenerative regeneration of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And that's the only thing that's noticeable about a change in your life. Your thinking, your emotions, your physicality, everything else has, has remained the same for a lot of people, even though they've been regenerated. I believe with all my heart that many of us are living far below our potential. We are not living up to all that we can be in God and all that God wants us to be. And if that's the case, the the question has to be why? Because it's not because you don't have a good church. Because you have a good church. I'll say this with humility. It's not because you don't have a good pastor. Because according to my bride, you have the very best pastor. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, well, I threw humility out the window, but whatever. But what is it then is holding us down? It's not like you don't have great worship here at this church. Uh, not like you don't have great leadership here at this church. It's a very sound and solid, firm foundation of a church that you have to attend to. Then what's going on? What's holding us back? What's holding us down? And I believe this as well, that in many respects, it has to do with what we're submitted to. It has to do with what we are obedient to. It has to do with what we're complying with. We're on a journey of transformation, and I believe, including this message today, that it is my prayer and my belief that you're going to have a newfound freedom to life. I'm glad that you're so excited about that. I not only expect that when you receive the revelation of this message today, that you will not only have a new freedom to life, but you're going to have a new sense of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, now, that was my introduction. One of the main things that stand in our way, and I speak from experience because I am no better than any one of you all. I just have a different assignment in the kingdom to stand behind the pulpit, preach the word of God, and pastor a church. But one of the main things that holds us back and holds us down is condemnation. Condemnation. We all have a sense of condemnation to some degree or another. And condemnation disrupts and it hinders our ability to move ahead, to move forward, to, to find success as a Christian. Condemnation is a constantly a bearer to that. And I believe that condemnation stands in the way of transformation. And so this is an, an important message that's timely for this, what is the second Sunday of the year. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and if that is true, Romans 8, 1, and by the way, it is, because every word in this Bible is true, 8, 1 says what? Romans, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. If that's true, then why are so many of us living with condemnation? Why are so many of us living in condemnation? If there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, why are so many people in the body of Christ still valuing, weighing their relationship with God based on their sense of self-worth, condemnation? What, what's, what's the deal? Now, what I want you to note here, it says that there's no condemnation. It did not say there's no condemnation for those whom Christ is in. Yeah, I wanted you to think about that for a minute. It said there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And my friends, that's an important delineation. That's an important difference because I can have Christ in me and still not be in him. That's that thing I'm talking about, having that regenerated spirit, something only the Holy Spirit can do, but I'm still living for myself. I'm still doing whatever I want to do. Are you with me this morning? Are you quiet because you're sleepy or because I have your attention? So the question is, what are you obedient to? 
Romans chapter 1, verse 5, as we looked at, says, And we have received grace to bring about the obedience of faith. We have been given grace, which is power, it's the charisma, it's the presence of the Lord, and we have been given grace to bring about the obedience of faith. I wonder how many of us have parked here at any length of time to say, well, what is the obedience of faith then? If I've been graced by Christ to bring this about, then what what is it that I'm supposed to be bringing about? The obedience of faith. So through Jesus Christ, we have received grace, power to be obedient to the faith. Faith in what? Faith in works? Faith in Christ? You may have Christ in you, as I said, but you may not be in Christ. I think that many of us go in and out of him. I've often thought about it like a, a laser beam from heaven. You know, beam me up, Scotty. There's this, there's this laser. So just this visual, it's a very primitive visual, that there's a laser beam and it surrounds me with an aura of light. And outside of that circle of light is shadows and darkness. Are you with me? And the light doesn't move with me. I have, that. I have Christ in me. So everywhere that I go, Christ goes with me. He is in me, but am I always in him? So I step too far outside of that light. Now I've stepped out of that light of Christ and I'm not in him I'm really at that moment in me because I'm doing something I want to do that I know I ought not be doing but again isn't that behavior oriented which is exactly what I'm talking about today last week during communion now I'm going to talk about a number of different theological points in this message today and I'm going to keep it simple 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 Last week during our communion, I spoke to you about the new covenant in his blood. Turn with me now, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're about to start getting some revelation. New, everybody say, new covenant. You see, we are no longer under the old covenant. Those of you who have any training whatsoever as a Christian, is, even in Sunday school, know that the Old Covenant is also known as the Old Testament, which is also known as the Law, right? Old Covenant, Old Testament, Law. New Covenant is known as the New Testament or the Grace of Christ, right? Are you with me? Okay. And we are now under the New Covenant, not the old. Okay? Yay, yay, amen, yay. That's something to yay about because you'd be coming to church this morning and we'd be slaughtering animals on your behalf. Huh? Yeah, I'd like to see the praise team sing us through that. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We've got to take some steps together because I'm going to do a little theological Bible study with you to get some revelation in your heart. Second, oh, I, this is the wrong, wrong verse. Second Corinthians, I ah, went the wrong way. Here we go. Here we go. Now, this blew my mind. I've been, I've been a Christian for a long time and a pastor for over 
25 years, 26 years now, and I still read things that I go, that's in there? And I already had it marked. And I still go, that's in there? <laughs> then I have to go, why in the world did you mark it last time, you know? So this really, even when I mentioned it to Diane this week and I said it, she kind of went, well, kind of gave me that funny look. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading with verse 9. Not that we, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 5, excuse me. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our ag adequacy is from God. And I love this phrase, who has made us adequate as servants of the new covenant. Now, I don't know why I didn't pick that up before, that I'm, I'm not just under the new covenant, but I'm a servant of the new covenant. And I can't be a servant on, under the new covenant on my own prowess because it says that it's not, Rick doesn't make himself adequate to be a servant of the new covenant. It's God who makes me adequate to be a servant of the new covenant. Remember now that it's God, grace, that helps us bring about the obedience of faith. All right, so who also has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But and then, then I read verse 7, but if the ministry of death, and I went, I don't want to be in that ministry. If the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones, what, what's that? Come on, y'all. We're doing Bible study this morning. What's the letters engraved on stone? Okay, good. Everybody, it's, it's pretty simple. So, and, and it's calling it the ministry of death. So what? So if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stone came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? Look at verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation... Now, that's an, an absolute reference to the ministry of death, which, which is the law, old covenant. Here it's called the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. That blew my mind. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. Now, I'm, I don't know how many of y'all read this before and have picked all this up, maybe many of you, and, and I've read the Bible, I can't even count how many times, and the, the Lord's never had me park right there. So, so, there's some very interesting stuff in this passage of Scripture. Ministry of death? Yeah, I feel out a ministry of helps app for that one, right, Michael? <laughs> we have the ministry of condemnation? And I know that there are some people in the body of Christ that think they're called to that ministry. <laughs> and then we have the ministry of righteousness. And if that wasn't enough, what blew me away was God will make us adequate as servants of the new covenant. Wow. 
I'm supposed to be a servant of the new covenant. So let's think about it. Ministry of death is what? Thank you. Law, which is what? Old covenant, right? Ministry of condemnation is? Law, thank you very much, which is also old covenant. Ministry of righteousness is Christ, which is new covenant. And he's made us to be adequate to be servants of the new covenant, and he's given us grace to bring about the obedience of faith. All right, are you all with me? All right, good. So I'm kind of walking you through my Bible study a little bit. My tear up the Bible day. Now, there are many people who are saved but question their salvation. You may be sitting here today and have wondered, am I saved? Am I still saved? The devil's come in and tried to convince you that you're so bad and under so much condemnation that you now got to go get born again again. And let me just help you, the Bible only talks about being born again once. Oh, you were really quiet right there. So people, am I saved? Am, am I going to heaven? Have I, have I been too bad? Performance works. Have I, am I good enough? Performance works. And people who feel this way are often living for Christ under a system of law-type faith, of old covenant-type faith. Now, bear with me, children of God. Many people, there are probably many here today who are still living your Christian life, navigating through the current of condemnation. Condemnation is always about, am I good enough? Am I too bad? And that's old covenant. It's the ministry of death. It's the ministry of condemnation. It's not the ministry of Christ. People are living under an umbrella of performance where everything is based on behavior. I've been there before. I was raised in a Christian religion that was absolutely everything was about performance. A Christianity based on behavior will always lead you to condemnation. Let me say that again. A Christianity based on behavior will always cause you to end up in condemnation. Why is that, Pastor? Because none of us can ever behave up to the standards of Christ. So, since you know you don't live up to the standard of Christ, then you're condemned, and that begins to hold you back. And it always ends up with you feeling condemned because you are constantly falling short of the standard. Hello! We all do! Romans 3.23 all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Do you think that changes just because you got saved? You're in an earth suit that's corrupt. You have a mind that is hopefully being renewed, some slower than others. We all fall short. 
How can I move forward in transformation if I'm constantly feeling that everything that I do falls short of God's expectations? And I can tell you right now that there are many Christians across the church life that are feeling that way, and probably many Christians here in this room today, always under some level of condemnation. When you constantly live under the shadow, when you constantly live under the weight of falling short, the natural human tendency is to just throw up your hands and give up and stop trying to live up to the standard. And you're not in Christ. You're in, which Christ is the new covenant of grace, correct? It, when you're not in Christ, then you tend to go into the old covenant of law, of behavioral expectations. Everybody okay? Yeah. I got revelation this week. And so I'm going to beat you over the head with my Bible till you get it. <laughs> and it's a big Bible, so it's apt to hurt. Too many Christians, unfortunately, never rise to their potential in Christ. They, fall, they always fall short of what God has for them and what God, who God has created them to be. And as pastor, I've seen that so many times that that person, brother, sister, so and so, boy, they, there's so much more potential in there, but they gave up just before they were able to cross that threshold. And the reason is, is that, that people are bound, they're compliant to condemnation, they're submitted and obedient to performance, they're submitted to works, they're not submitted to the obedience of faith in Christ, but they are submitted to the obedience of faith in works. We need to be transformed. 21 is the year of transformation. So we're going to transform from the inside out. Amen? We need to learn how to enter into the grace for life in Christ Jesus instead of trying to attain life through works for, for Christ Jesus. Not through law-like behaviors. We need to learn how to walk in the obedience of faith. Not obedience to the law. Because Christ did not give us the grace to be obedient to the law. But to be obedient to faith. Now, this is going to shake some of you all up. Especially those of you who are dyed-in-the-wool ministry of helps people. And there's a lot of you. There are some of you that are so dyed in the wool ministry of helps people that you don't even feel like you're serving God well if you're just sitting on your rusty dusty. I'm not advocating sitting on your rusty dusty. Okay? Because when you sit on your rusty dusty all the time, all you do is broaden your base and widen your horizons. That's all. <laughs> we need to learn how to be obedient to faith. Belief, faith in Christ, my brothers and sisters, is the work. Reliance on the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished at the cross of Calvary, not behavior, not whether you're good enough or bad enough, not whether you serve in the church or don't serve in the church, not whether you, you shovel the old lady's driveway next door or don't, live up to some religious standard. The Lord really dealt with me on this over two years ago when I came across a phrase that many churches expect people to be, this is the process, 
Many churches expect people to behave like them. That's okay. Those of you who are visiting today are wondering what that is. We have our alarm set, and we do it every day, 12 o'clock. We curse COVID-19 and every other mutation of that disease in Jesus' name by the blood of Jesus. Amen. We curse all the demonic activity that's continuing to try to turn our entire society and country over. And we pray for all of those that's been affected by coronavirus in some way, shape, or manner. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, turn with me now to John chapter 6. Are you ready? Verse 28. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. None of your works, quite frankly, in the eternal scheme of things, are worth a hill of beans. The only work that you or I can have that has eternal value is belief in him. Literally, Jesus himself says, this is the work of God. The work is, if you want to be works-oriented, the work is belief in in him. Now, I'm not talking about mental assent here. Anyone can mentally assent, agree that you know Christ Jesus died for their sins, but how many people are adhering to the teachings of and are actually disciples of Jesus Christ? There's a difference between having Christ in you and you being in Christ. Well, you might be wondering, well, now wait, yes, wait a minute, Pastor Rick. I got a book in my Bible written by James. And in James chapter 2, it tells me that without works, my faith is dead. What are you talking about here? Well, I'm glad you ask. <laughs> Turn with me now to James, because we've been reading James incorrectly. Well, this section anyway. Why? Why? Why have we been reading it incorrectly? Because we're so works-oriented. We're so performance-oriented. The devil doesn't want you to grab a hold of the fact that what you are to be obedient to is obedient to the faith. He wants you to remain obedient to works and your performance and your behavior. I think before that, I said the word behavior, it reminded me of what I was saying before that alarm went off. I had read in this statement, it says, you know, many times people, churches say, we want you to behave like us. We want you to believe like us, and when you do those first two things, then you can belong to us. And that was so sour in my belly, because I realized that it's the other way around. You belong because you're a child of God. Hopefully along the way, you'll get revelation and believe like we believe. And that belief then will lead to behavior. Can I get a better amen from somebody? Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a praise just because you can, and turn over to... The book of James. Now remember, all right, I'm going to quiz you again. What's the work? Belief in Christ. That's the work that God 
said we must do. All right. James, here we go. Get ready. This is going to be good. I'm having fun. Welcome to my party. All right, James chapter 2, verse uh, 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow and lady, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see, that faith... That faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. First, I want you to notice the actual context of the scripture. We're so works-oriented that we've bypassed what the context of the Scripture is. The context of the Scripture is actually found in verse 15 and 16 of chapter 2, where it says, If a brother and sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? You see, this whole Scripture isn't about a context of work being work-oriented. It's about a context of how you relate to those, your fellow man, who are in need or in need of something. See, that is the subject matter of this passage of Scripture. Fortunately, the Apostle Paul used the uh, idea, the, the truth of faith combined with works to show how we are to relate with our fellow human beings. Okay, So let's not forget what the real matter at hand here is. There was a whole bunch of people claiming to be in Christ who were saying, Oh, be fed, be warmed, somebody will bless you, I'll pray for you. Huh? And then going on like you're all that high and mighty because you, you know, you're an elder at the church. No offense to any of our elders. Just an example. So the context here isn't whether you're an elder or not. The context is, did you help somebody in need? You say you have faith, but you overlook somebody in need? I'm going to show you what that's akin to, the Apostle Paul says, or James in this case says, excuse me. So yes, 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 absolutely, I'm in agreement that faith does require some action. There's no doubt about that. Scripture is replete with, <coughs> excuse me, noting that faith requires some action. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand to the man with withered hand. Action. He said, take up your bed and walk. Action. So there is an action that goes with a person's faith. I'm not denying that. But it's not actions that please God. It's faith. Faith in what? In Christ. Under the new covenant, not the old covenant. 
All of you who are listening to my voice, whether here or through the airwaves, who are banking your faith on what you do for him, you're missing the boat. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, let's real quick look at the reference to James, because then, you know, well, wait a minute, Abraham, his, his, he was justified because of his works, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm not in disagreement with that in any way, shape, or manner. It's all true. But let's take a look at this for a minute. James chapter 2, verse 21 through 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God. It didn't say Abraham did what he was told. It said Abraham believed God, and it, what? His belief in God was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, part of the proof in the pudding that he believed God was that we had corresponding actions. Yes, 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 yes. But it wasn't his actions that made him righteous. It was his faith that made him righteous. Abraham was never called the father of works. He was called the father of faith. And you and I have been given the grace to bring about the obedience of faith. That was what you see here is obedience of faith. Abraham saying, I'll take my only son. It was also a type and shadow of what the Father God was doing for us through Jesus Christ. So don't lose sight of that as well. And quick, it was all about works. It's not about works, y'all. Works are important. Yes, 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 yes. But it's not about works. Works do not create faith. Faith creates works. Yes, works without faith are useless, and yes, faith without works are useless, but without faith, works without faith is a religious-based, performance-based system that doesn't please God at all. So you can have condemnation and a lack of faith in Christ and work till your fingers fall off. It won't, won't have eternal value for you at all. Faith without works is no faith at all because true faith, true faith always produces works. Works is the fruit of faith, not the other way around. Did you hear me? Works is the fruit of faith, not the other way around. Hear me, beloved. Faith is the key here, not works. What am I saying? I no longer want to fill out Ministry of Help app? No. We all need to get our hands on the plow and be busy about the work of the Lord. That's something the Lord speaks to us about. But don't base your relationship with Christ on what you do here. Whether you work in the children's ministry, counting ministry, sweep the floors, you do everything except preach behind the pulpit and go, Woo! I'm getting a gold star today in heaven. No, because in that setting, your faith is based on what you do, not who you do it for. Are you following me, children of God? The obedience of faith will transform you, absolutely transform you. You're going to get a, a behavior change because of your faith, but you will never get a faith change because of your behavior. Are you hearing me? Uh, but your faith in Christ should already be settled. 
before you ever do anything. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You have faith in God, you're apt to do more for God by accident than you ever did on purpose. If you'll get your faith centered in the right place. Can I get an amen from somebody? About to bring it to a close. Send you all home so you can have chicken. I'm having chicken enchiladas, thank you very much. I think it's high time that we begin to give ourselves a little grace. Jesus gave us grace. God gave us grace by giving us his only begotten son, and we beat ourselves up and beat ourselves down because we don't think we're good enough. And the enemy wants you there so bad. He wants to keep you right there in a state of performance-oriented relationship with God, old covenant and it is the ministry of death and it's the ministry of condemnation I choose from this day forward to serve because he's made me adequate to serve the new covenant and you adequate to serve the new covenant to serve my heavenly father based on what he did for me not what I do for him so don't base your faith on your works. Don't base your faith on your behavior. This is not a behavior-oriented church. I've had a number of people that have asked me, what about membership? I want to be a member of this church. Membership says I belong. And my, my position is you belong already. Most church membership ideas are about you need to behave like us, then you can join us. To understand the test. The test of the word is you belong, whether you behave right or not. Are you all following me this morning? Is, is it just my party or are you all having fun too? Don't base your faith on your works or your behavior, but let behavior and works be the result of your obedience to faith. If you guys can get a transformation, a revelation of this, and a transformation of this, as I said before, you'll do more for God by accident than you ever did before on purpose. Let's close. Let's be transformed. Let's be transformed in 2021 by paying attention, putting our attention in what Christ has accomplished rather than what we accomplish. Let's have a transformation in 2021 that we will not walk in the obedience to works, but we will walk in the obedience of faith. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a minute. There are some of you in this room I don't, I'm not saying that because I've already earmarked you in my mind. Please don't think that. I just know it's, it's a fact. 
But there are some in this room today, and you have recognized that in many respects you have based the value level of your relationship with God based on whether or not you're behaving correctly or not behaving correctly. And I want to pray for you today. And I've already been inspired by God to not let this just be a moment where you sit there, but be a moment where you come and you respond. So that's what I'm saying right now. If this message has spoken to you because you have been basing your relational position with God based on what you do, then I need you to get up out of your seat, come to the front right now, and let me pray for you. There's another group of you in this room today, not because I know or I've been studying you, but you've been living under condemnation because you never measure up. Maybe that was instilled in your heart by a father image that you've had or some other image in life where you you just felt like you never measured up. And it's a heavy weight to have that. So there's two things, and I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm not asking you to respond because I want a dog and pony show here. I'm asking you to respond because I believe there's a whole lot of us that are living in this place, this ministry of death and this ministry of condemnation and have not realized who you are in Christ because of Christ. So if you're living under condemnation of any kind, I want you to come forward. Let me pray for you this morning. If you have been basing your relationship with Christ based on what you do or don't do, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come forward this morning. Don't miss this opportunity. This is an opportunity for you. And I'm not trying to eloquently, emotionally provoke you into responding. I just believe with all my heart that there are more of us that are in this position than are standing up here right now. Transformation in 2021. 